listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. I'm delighted to welcome Rashir Desai, Fund Manager at Asia Fund Capital, to the show for a view on Frontier Markets. Good morning, Rashir. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's wonderful to see you on our live feed with the Admiralty Studio. Now, let's start off with Frontier Markets, which have had a pretty strong year in both absolute and relative terms. First of all, for our listeners who may not be sure of what a frontier market is and how it differs to an emerging market. Can you explain? Well, I mean, there are a couple of ways to basically differentiate between frontier markets and emerging markets. I think in the general sense, if you look at frontier markets, uh, just from a stock market capitalization perspective, you know, the stock market capitalization or market capitalization in these markets is, I would say, quite smaller, much smaller than some of the larger emerging markets in Asia. So, for example, the uh, stock market size, say, for example, in Bangladesh or Pakistan or Kazakhstan and Sri Lanka is, I would say, smaller than obviously India and China, but also, of course, smaller than Indonesia and Thailand. So that's one way to look at it. But also at the same time, the economic growth prospects and the cycle of or, or, or the stage of economic growth in these markets is at a different level compared to, say, a China or India. So, for example, Bangladesh is going from, from a very low economic base. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a much smaller economy. So I would say broadly... If one can one can categorize frontier markets as being slightly smaller in size in terms of the stock market size and also in terms of their economic size, but growing from a lower base. So very you know very very different growth prospects compared to say China or Indonesia, and also just from a technical perspective, I think you have you know index providers like MSCI, which is a global index provider. They have various indexes, one being the MSCI Frontier Markets Index, the other being the MSCI Emerging Markets Index. Now. MSCI doesn't, they don't look at only at, say, economic factors like GDP growth or per capita income levels. They look at many technical factors as well. And here they look at, you know, stock market liquidity, access to foreign investors for investing in the local stock exchange in these markets and other technical factors. Uh, so over here, that's where frontier markets are slightly a bit different because they're slightly less liquid than, say, uh, China or Indonesia or Thailand. Uh, and that's where they, they characterize them as frontier markets. Uh, and also frontier markets actually is a very broad universe. You know, you have Asian frontier markets is what we invest in. You have countries like Bangladesh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, etc. But you also have a much wider scope over here. Because, for example, a lot of sub-Saharan African countries, countries are considered frontier markets. You have many Latin American countries which are considered frontier markets and some Eastern European countries like Romania, as well as the Baltic states are considered frontier markets. So it's a very wide universe, yeah. actually. Here's a, a question for you. It sounds a little grey, if I'm to be honest with you. Do all experts and all organisations have identical lists of what are frontier markets? Well, actually, it depends on the investment strategy of each firm or each uh, fund management company. So we, like I said, we specialise specifically in Asian frontier markets. But then you have other funds who would be looking at, say, global frontier markets. They would be investing in, say, Asia, like Vietnam, Pakistan, but also in Latin America, for example, in Argentina or, or Colombia or Romania, as well as, say, Tanzania and Kenya. Uh, at the same time, you also have other you know, fund managers or fund management companies in Asia, which also consider Vietnam as part of their asset class, even though it's a frontier market. Because Vietnam on the ground, actually, it's not really like a frontier market. It's has similar kind of uh, GDP growth prospects or per capita incomes and infrastructure similar to, say, Indonesia or Philippines. 
uh, but it's only in the frontier market index because of technical factors, because many foreign investors cannot invest in certain companies, and that's why MSA classifies it as a frontier market. So it really depends on uh, each fund manager. So yeah, I would say it's very broad, and there's no fixed kind of... Uh, benchmark in terms of investing in these markets. Well, Rashira, I'm going to completely accept what you tell me are in the frontier markets. I'm not going to listen to anyone else. Now, most Asian frontier markets have so far posted strong positive gains in US dollar terms. Do you see this continuing into next year? Well, actually, Asian frontier markets have a pretty strong run this year. I think uh, most most Asian frontier markets have run exceedingly well. For example, uh, you know, Sri Lanka is up in dollar terms about 40%, uh, Kazakhstan's up about 26%, Pakistan's up about 12%. And you have certain outliers like Iraq, which is the Middle Eastern frontier market that's up about almost 100% this year. So there's a significant deviation from emerging markets in Asia. And I would say I'm quite confident this trend will continue in 2024 because there are a couple of factors which I think will help, you know, continue this momentum. I think 2022 was very tough, your frontier markets. You had many headwinds like high interest rates, high inflation, poor macroeconomic conditions. But in many of these markets, uh, these headwinds are now becoming tailwinds. You're seeing interest rates being cut, inflation come off, uh, the macroeconomic indicator stabilize, and earnings growth recover from next year. So I would say this momentum will continue going forward as well. Okay. Now, if I was a high-risk investor, how much of my portfolio would you recommend me to invest in emerging markets? I will put all the health disclaimers around that. Of course, you might not be correct. Well, that's a great question, actually. So if you look at frontier markets as an asset class, it's a great diversification tool for any kind of investor. Because if you look at what's happened this year, right, Asian frontier markets have done very well. They've outperformed, especially the Asian emerging markets. Uh, so if you only invested, say, for example, in China and Indonesia and Thailand and Philippines or uh, some of the other Southeast Asian countries, you may not have really had good performance this year. Hmm. But if you had say, diversification across the U.S., some emerging markets in Asia, and some allocation to frontier markets in Asia, you would actually, you know, some of the negative returns from the other Asian markets could have been negated by good performance from Asian frontier markets. And that's why I think it's a very good diversification tool. For example, correlation between some of these markets like Bangladesh and Pakistan with what's happening globally is very low. And what happens in, in, say, for example, in China doesn't really affect Bangladesh or what happens in Pakistan doesn't affect Vietnam. So it's very, very low, very low correlations amongst these markets. So it's a very good diversification tool. Yes, I was going to say a diverse portfolio is always the key. Now, which frontier markets would you pick for having the potential for good growth in the short term and longer term? So maybe you could pick one of each or maybe it's the same one. Sure, sure. So I'll start with the long term because I think when we're investing, we look at, you know, three to five year horizon, not really the next six or nine months. So from a long term perspective, taking, say, a five year view, I think my key country or top country pick would uh, will be Vietnam. It, uh, that's been my topic for the last couple of years. And there are a couple of reasons why I like Vietnam going forward. Uh, one is it is the key beneficiary in Asia from the supply chain shift that's happening globally. As we've seen, especially since the pandemic and over the last few years, you've seen a lot of geopolitical tension between China and some of the Western countries. And that's led to a lot of manufacturing activity, leave China and move into other lower cost or probably stable economic regimes. And that's led to a lot of manufacturing activity move from China into Vietnam. So Vietnam has seen a massive influx of foreign direct investments into the manufacturing sector, which is meant for exports. For example, since 2017, when the trade war began between the US and China, 
Vietnam's exports to the U.S. have grown from about $42 billion to about $110 billion in the last okay, five years. Okay, Rashir, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to stop you there. But that's a fascinating conversation which we could talk for hours on. And I hope we, I will get the chance to, actually.